Well, who has your Bible with you tonight? Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'm excited about the word. Amen. I have a preview of what's going on. <laughs> you know something that um, I heard someone say this one time, and it, it really is exciting. That prayers, who in here is a prayer? You, you pray. Prayers have previews. I said prayers, they have previews. What does that mean? You have previews of that which is to come. Amen. And so, you know, as you, as you stay close to the Lord, I, I believe even if you, you just have good, you have halfway good fellowship with the Lord, he's going to show you what's going to come in your life. And that's, that's one of the things that the, the Lord promised in his word, that he would show us things to come. And so the Lord never wants us to be, you know, whether it's for a service, whether it's for your life, your ministry, whatever God's called you to do. He doesn't, for your family, he doesn't want things to just happen. And then you think, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> he wants you to know ahead of time. Amen. And you can, you can know. So as you're, as you give yourself to prayer, you give yourself to the things of God, you'll, you'll know ahead of time. And that's why it's important that you're in church. Amen. Amen. Yes. Why? Because the Lord will prepare you for that which is to come. So Romans chapter 8. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, that it falls on good ground. And Lord, we receive it and we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 8 chapter 1 says, There is therefore now... No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who's in Christ Jesus tonight? <laughs> Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And I'll tell you what, that's some shouting ground right there. <laughs> For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh... God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So we keep seeing this phrase about not walking after the flesh, but walking after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, you could say this, they mind the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, I wanted you to get the whole context of this, but go back to verse 1. He says, there's therefore now no condemnation. Everyone say, no condemnation. To them in Christ Jesus. And so, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. When you read this, when you study this out, this word, no condemnation, when you read it in the Greek, it means no condemnation. <laughs> Amen. 
know, some people know Hebrew and Greek, but they don't know what the Holy Ghost is saying. So, <clears throat> uh, no condemnation. And so, when you study that out, though, it means no, not one, none. No, not one, none. So, tonight, how much condemnation should you as a believer have? Well, you know, maybe just a little bit so it shows how much you really care. You know, that, that's the way the enemy is. Well, you know, if, if you really... Um, you know, it's just like this. People think that if you really care, that you worry. You know, that, that's the way people think. You know, that or, or you're, you're a sorry individual, you know. But that's not true. If you really care about somebody, you'll do something that'll help them. And it's not worrying about it. It's getting in faith about it. So he says, no, not one, none. So condemnation... It's actually one of the worst things you can have as a believer. What is condemnation? Condemnation is a feeling of guilt. That you're guilty. And you know that the hammer is going to be dropped. Who's ever felt like that? I mean, like, like I mean, no one in here, but you know, if you've ever done something. You know, it's a good feeling to know that you don't have to always be like the fugitive, you know. And, and, and like you're looking over your, your back and you're looking for the one-armed man, you know, and you're just like, if you remember that program, <laughs> you, you know, you're always, you're always looking over your back. Why? Because you've been accused. You know that, that you know, any time I could be arrested, any time I could be like this. See, that's what condemnation is. Condemnation is a, is a guilty sentence placed upon you by the devil. And so it's, it's judgment. And, and one thing about um, condemnation is it is a confidence killer. It will absolutely destroy your faith. But I want to just share for a few moments here about freedom from condemnation. Hallelujah. I just like saying that. <laughs> so, you know, we, number one, we've been set free, the Bible says, from sin. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. But also with that, we've been set free from the accompanying condemnation, the judgment. Amen. I'm judged not guilty. I'm judged righteous tonight. Can you say amen? Say that with me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So one of the biggest effects that we see in the from in the Bible, from um, sin, you know, what's one of the biggest results of sin? And it's always going to happen, is condemnation. There's never a time that you can sin and not have condemnation. Why? Because you're, you're, you're guilty. And, and that's one of the reasons why he said, you know, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. When you walk after the spirit and you walk free, you're going to be free from condemnation. But if you go back and, 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 you know, if you continually yield to that, there's no way you can't have that condemnation. But thank God we can be free from sin and we can be free from its effects, which is one of the big things is condemnation. And so, you know, in my estimation, if, if it was just for no other reason but that, that should push us far away from sin. That should push us far away from when the enemy tries to tempt us. Why? Because when I understand that if I yield to this, 
what's going to happen? There's going to be guilt. There's going to be shame. There's going to be condemnation. There's going to be something that's, that's coming against me all the time. And so if I do that, I'm, I'm going I'm to realize, you know what? If I do this, you know, that's what wisdom actually is. <laughs> what is wisdom? The, wisdom? the wisdom of God is the ability to see ahead. It's actually insight and, and foresight. If I do this, what's going to happen? Now, husbands and wives should get good at that. Friends should get good at that. People on the job should get good at that. If I say this to that person, what's going to happen? And see, what, what happens is when things get in the heat of the moment, the enemy's inciting people. Say it. <laughs> just, just tell them. Tell them. And what, what happens is he incites people to say stuff, you know, husband and wife, to say something. Why? Because he knows it's going to set off something. And actually, you know it's going to set off something too. <laughs> and people want things to be set off. But what's going to happen? They're going to do this, and then they're going to respond, and then they're going to respond, and then they're going to respond. When the wisdom of God says, you know what? There's a hole, there's a ditch up there, but if I avoid that thing, then, then I won't fall into it, and I'm going to go a different way. You know, the Bible says that a soft answer turns away wrath. <laughs> What's the temptation, though? If someone's going to get rough with me, I'm going to get rough with them. And so, you know, when, when, when you're tempted to be, to be strong with somebody and, and they're coming against you, what does the opposite spirit do? A soft answer turns away wrath. You know, someone's just like, you know, you did such as, okay, boss, um, sorry about that, you know. What, what does that do? It pacifies it. it. It turns away that wrath. But if you get right in the middle of it, oh, boy, you got, you got a fight on your hands. But see, the wisdom of God sees that, that ahead. And so I believe that we can, we can, by the wisdom of God, we can redirect situations. We can turn things. You know, there was a, um, something just a few years ago that we, we had some individuals go to, and it was just about security and different things like that. One of the things they did was they learned that um, there was, um, you know, when you ha in the heat of the moment, sometimes you just have to change things around. You have to do things. And so when, when someone's just really mad and upset, you just catch them off guard like, oh, hey, here, here's a glass of water. And, and just, oh, oh, yeah, oh, thanks. You know, you, you, you take people off their guard. You, 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 you change the situation. <laughs> and I believe the wisdom of God will help us to do that. So what does that mean? That means that when I see what the enemy's doing, you know, you can get good at when seeing the enemy. The, for, the Bible says, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Have you ever seen the devil just trying to set something up and you know it's him? You know it's, it's him. It's like, oh, no, you joker. I'm not going to fall for that. And by the grace of God, we don't. Hallelujah. And so what we do is we, we see and we know what sin will do and the accompanying feeling and the guilt and the shame and condemnation. So you know what you say? No, I, I'm not going to have any part of that. I'm not going to have it. Especially if you've, if you've been uh, bound by something or you've had a habit or an addiction or something. And you realize, no, I'm not going down that path. You just say, no, in Jesus' name. Everyone say this. No. no. 
<laughs> you know, that's, that's one of the biggest things we need to learn when the, where it's concerning the devil. So the Bible tells us not to yield our members. We're told to resist sin. And do you know that, that this, is, this is much freedom in this because we can resist sin just like Jesus did. Now, when you say stuff like that, the, the, the religious uh, tone just changes. You know, it's like, yeah, but that was Jesus. How many times have you ever heard people say something? You know, it's like, they always will say, well, you know, but that was Jesus. Well, I would do that, but, but that was Jesus. But here, Jesus walked this earth as a man anointed by the Spirit. He didn't walk as God. Now, he was God. You know, even like the Apocrypha and, and different um, books that are what we would call like extra books from the Bible that are not canon scripture. They, they try to make it out like Jesus. Um, he did certain things that the Bible never said he did. And so they say, well, you know, Jesus healed his friends and he raised, you know, like he healed, you know, dead birds and, and stuff when he was, you know, a teenager. But don't believe it because the Bible says that he could do no mighty work until he was anointed. So we know that the first miracle he did was after he was anointed at the age of 30. And so what he did was something anointed by the Spirit. So that means that that same anointing can come on me, and that same anointing is, is what allows me to do the works of God as well. And so because of that, I can pray like Jesus prayed. Amen. I know you're going to have to renew your mind. <laughs> you're going to have to let your mind expand. But I can pray the way he prayed. I can, I can live the way he lived. That's why 1 John 2, 6 says, walk as he walked. And so the same way is the same way I can resist sin. Jesus is my hero tonight. <laughs> Jesus never gave in to sin. Now, we've, we've sinned. You, you might say, well, pastor, I've, I've sinned. Well, see, that's, that's really not a, a problem. Because by the blood of the Lamb tonight, you can walk free from that condemnation. You can walk free from that guilt. I don't care what has ailed you or what has plagued your mind. Amen. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, how much unrighteousness is left? None. Just take that un off, and what do you have? You just have righteousness left. Righteousness is, is just, you know, it's, an old, it's just an old English word. Just say the word right. We're right with him. We have righteousness. We have rightness. Uprightness is one of the other words as well. And so, you know, the Bible tells us over in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, many people know this. It says, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God will, with the temptation, make a way to escape. So what, what's the will of God? The will of God is that we are free, um, we're free from sin, and God's going to make a way. You know, there is no such thing as a sin that just got the best of you, and, and you couldn't help it. Let's just be, we have to be honest with ourselves. We have to believe what the Bible says. A lot of people read this verse, though, and they, they, 
they, they kind of just fill in the blanks. And what they do is say, God's not going to put more on you than you, what you can stand. That's not what it says. It says this, he will not allow you to be tempted. That's why it said God is faithful. He will not allow you. God's not going to allow you to be tempted above that which you're able. What does that mean? Above what I'm able to resist and say no to. So if, if you're standing right now in the ring with this temptation, I don't care if, he, if that temptation is six foot eight and 400 pounds. If you're in the ring with it, God knows that you can win. God knows you can whip it. So what does that mean? I have to look for the way of escape. I'll just tell you right now. That way of escape might mean you, you run. That might mean you have to get out of the house and walk down the street. That might mean you, you get away from certain people. I mean, the temptation to, can, be, can be so strong to do something, you have to get your mind on something else. Uh, I got to go play basketball. I got to go do this. I got I to gotta go over here. I, I need to get, get out of this place. You know, I got to get away from this person. Make it easy on yourself. Just, you, don't, you don't have to explain everything. You're just like, um, sorry, man, I, you know, I shouldn't have been here tonight. Uh, I got to go over here. You know. Hey, I got to go to church. You know? <laughs> I got to. Why? Because if, you, if, you're doing, if you're in church, you're not you know, robbing a bank tonight. <laughs> Amen. And so I wanted to read this, though. I thought this was really good from the, the Living Bible. The Living Bible. Verse 11 says this, All these things happen to them as examples, as object lessons to us, to warn us against doing the same things. Do you know that's what the Old Testament is? The Old Testament is um, examples for us of what not to do. How many people like to learn from other people's mistakes more than your own? You know what learning from your own mistakes is? That's called the school of hard knocks. <laughs> I would rather learn from your mistake than mine. <laughs> and I'd rather learn from other, other people's than mine. Amen. But, you know, once you make that mistake, well, you should learn from your own. And it says they were written down so that we could read about them and learn from them in these last days as the world nears its end. Verse 12. So be careful. If you are thinking, oh, I would never behave like that, let this be a warning to you. For you too may fall in this sin. But listen to verse 13. But remember this. The wrong desires that come into your life aren't anything new and different. Many others have faced exactly the same problems before you. Now, how many times does the devil say that? No one's facing what you're facing. Here's the good thing about it. Other people have faced it and they've overcome it as well. You just haven't heard about it. And so, many others have faced the same problems before you. I love this right here. This is what I wanted to get to. And no temptation is irresistible. You can trust God to keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. For he has promised this and will do what he says. He will show you how to escape temptation's power so that you can bear up patiently against it. There's no amount of money that's too, that's too much. There's no, there's no man, there's no woman that looks too good that you can't say no. There, there's no amount of money that you can't just leave on the table. There's no amount of um, whatever. <laughs> it's like, Why? Because God said there's no temptation that's irresistible. I can walk away. 
Amen. Or you do like Joseph, you run. Thank you, Lord. Everyone say run. <laughs> so we don't have to sin. You know, it's a lie, and this is, this is something that's preached in church, that, you know, you can't help from sinning. Do you know that it's a lie? You know, you know what churchianity teaches? Not Christianity, but, well, you know, we, we're just sinners saved by grace. I'm not a sinner saved by grace tonight. I, am a, I was a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace. Now I'm called a saint. And that's who I am. You know, so also this, this teaching also says this, that you, you can't go an hour without sinning. But if I couldn't help from sinning, and if I, if I, if I couldn't help it, then, then God would not require me to repent. But do you know, here's the good news tonight. You can go days and weeks and months without sinning. I didn't say that you were perfect. I didn't say that you were divine. I'm just saying that we can walk as he walked. But if you do miss it, thank God you confess that sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Turn over to Romans chapter 6. Amen. We're going to pack a lot in here in just the next few minutes. Amen. <laughs> well, I tell you, how many love the Word of God like I do? Amen. Thank God for the truth. The truth sets us free. Romans 6, and look in verse 12. He says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Now, who's the understood subject? Is you. You don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. You know, God would never ask me to do something I couldn't do. You know, how many times you hear people, well, I just can't help but thinking that. No, you choose what you think about. You choose if you hit somebody with your fist. But he says, yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So you have to realize, I'm dead, I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to the world. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And so... Just like he says here, you yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Amen. Sometimes you just need to say that over yourself. Sin shall not have dominion over me. For you're not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience of righteousness. So every time you sin, what's, what's going to happen? There's going to be death. Every time, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. So he says, but God be thanked that you were the service of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Hallelujah. So, so tonight, as, as a believer, I am free 
from sin. I'm dead to sin. And I'm alive to righteousness. And I look at verse 19. He says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of the flesh. For as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then of those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Being now made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death every time. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So going back to our text, what did he say? There's therefore now no condemnation to them in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law, and see this is a law that's in the earth right now. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus have made me free from the law of sin and death. So there is a law called the law of sin and death. But there's a greater law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Just like there is a law of gravity. But if you apply a greater law, the law of lift, what's going to happen? You get up in an airplane and you can defeat that. Hallelujah. John G. Lake, a great man of God, he started 550 churches in South Africa. He had a revelation of this verse. And he said that he um, was there during the time of the bubonic plague. And these people were dying just like flies. And, and, and what happened is he examined these people. And he, he told the people. They, and, and the people who questioned him said, Dr. Lake, what have you been doing to protect yourself? He said, I, so he said sirs, I believe that the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free. And so he said, if you go over to these people after they've died and, and take the foam that's coming out of their mouth, he said, go put it underneath the microscope. And they did. And you see all this, these living organisms that are still there, you know, because it's, it's, a, it's a killer. He said, put it by hand. And they thought, are you sure? <laughs> he, they said, um, okay. And so they put it in his hand. And he said, now go put it on the microscope. And they looked and it died. He said, in, in amazement, they looked at him and they said, what, what is that? He said, that's, he said, I believe the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. So, so whenever that death touched him, it died on contact. He had a revelation of that verse. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. So if you sin, what's going to happen? You're going to have guilt. But you're free from not only sin, but also the condemnation and the guilt. Thank you, Lord. So I'm free. Say that. I'm free. I'm not to feel guilty tonight. You know, just, just say, for instance, if you've ever, maybe you've, com you've committed a, something and, and, and you've gone to the Lord for the hundredth time about that same thing. <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry. And, and, you know, the enemy works on you, you know. 
and Lord, I'm sorry I did that. Lord, I'm sorry I did that. You know, if you went to the Lord tonight and said, Lord, I'm sorry I did this, you know, I don't care if it's your temper or what it is, you know, it doesn't matter. You say, Lord, I'm sorry I did this. You know, the Bible also says that there's sins of omission as well. If you know to do something and you don't, that's sin as well. So, you know, don't just get caught up in, well, that, you know, sins of commission, but there's sins of omission. You can know that you're supposed to do things. And when you don't do it, that's sin as well. But if you went to the Lord and said, Lord, I didn't do that or I did that. You know, if you, if you say that to him, the Lord has no knowledge if you did that except one time. Why? Because the Bible says that he forgives and he forgets. So the Lord doesn't, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right, John. You know, there, the last 36 times you did that. No, the Lord has no knowledge that you ever did it at all. So to him, it's like the first time you did it. I know we, we can't wrap our mind around that, but I'm just going to believe what he said. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. That's why 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. I want you to look at um, Hebrews chapter 8. Give you just a few verses here. Hebrews chapter 8 in verse 11. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities. I'll remind them about all the time. Now, what's he say? <laughs> he says, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. You mean God doesn't remember? There's certain things God cannot do. Well, God can do anything. Well, he can't lie. There's certain things he cannot do. He can't lie. He can't deny himself. And he can't remember your sins if you confess them. I just believe what he says. He says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So if God doesn't remember it, why should I remember it? I just choose to forget it. Look in the next chapter, Hebrews 9. But Christ becoming a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered at once into the holy place. So, so what happened in the Old Testament was this. We had the blood of goats and calves that they offered blood. They brought this blood, the high priest did. But notice he said, but now by his own blood he entered once into the holy place. See, I love that. We see another, one other place in Hebrews where it talked about how in the end of this world he's appeared once to put away sin. You know, you don't have to go back. Jesus, you know, I, I sinned. You have to go back on the cross. No, once and for all he took care of it. And it says, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And here's the good news. 
That redemption, that buying and that purchasing is eternal, but so is Satan's defeat. <laughs> Satan's defeat is eternal as well. Amen. I like to remind him about it. <clears throat> For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, what is, you know, that's, that's a bull, that's a cow. Well, the heifer is not, but I mean, the heifer is that cow. Uh, and we're, we're going to see, I mean, I'm not going to get into the, um, a teaching on the ashes of the red heifer, but, you know, we know that those things will be reinstituted and sacrifices going up. But it says here, the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean. Even that, in, in that state, in, in, in the Old Testament, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. Why? Because that's what God had instituted. God had instituted that through that, there would be purification and there would be cleansing. But look at verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, he offered himself without spot to God. See, that's what he did for you and for me. He, he offered himself. He didn't need it. Jesus didn't need to be saved. Now, he was the firstborn among many brethren. That meant he was the first one to be born again. And then we were the ones that followed right behind him. So how much more shall the blood of Christ... I just like to think about how much more. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God? So, so Jesus was sinless. He was blameless. He was the only one that could do it. Look at the rest of that verse. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Well, I just, I just feel so bad about it. He's going to purge your conscience. I just, I just feel so bad. I feel so guilty. You have to get over that. You have to realize he purged my conscience. He washed me. I mean, the psalmist talked about purge me with hyssop and, and purge me and I shall be clean. What, what, what is the greatest cleansing agent? The blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Only the blood. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So that, I tell you what, I've used this verse through the years. How much more shall the blood of Christ? He's going to purge my conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You got time for a little bit more. <laughs> Just look over one chapter in chapter 10. Chapter 10, um, look in verse number 12. By, he says, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Now, why is that important? Because the, the, the high priest did that every year under the old covenant for his sins and for the sins of the people. But talking about Jesus, it says this, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. 
See, my high priest is not a man that's going to offer sins again for the sins of the people. My high priest, he's at the right hand of God the Father. <laughs> he is God. He's at the right hand, and the Bible tells us that we're seated with him in heavenly places. But it said he sat down. You know, you know what it means to sit down? It means your work is done. You don't sit down until you're done. So he sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he's perfected forever them that are sanctified. You know, we talked about this on Sunday. I said, I said you know, is there such a thing in the Bible about once saved, always saved? If you want to be, <laughs> if you want to be saved, then you can be saved. There is eternal security as long as you stay in Christ. I don't have to fall. I don't have to sin. I, you know, I don't have to go, you know, I don't have to go and see, well, you know, let me see how it's like to minister to these people. So I, I got to see how to minister to, to people that live this lifestyle. So I got to go, you know, I got to go do what they do. No, you don't have to. A, a better testimony is I stayed free. Amen. Our pastor said when he, he got born again at five and, and filled the Holy Ghost at eight, he said, you know, I, th I thought I didn't have a testimony because, you know, you know, what did I done? You know, I didn't, all I did was stole a cookie or something, you know. But he said that the Lord showed him and he said, you have a great testimony because of my keeping power. Yeah. Amen. That's a greater testimony yeah, yeah. that our kids don't have to go through the things we did. Wow. <clears throat> But notice he says, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he said before, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. Now I'm not going to go into this, but I'm just gonna, let me just briefly tell you. The Bible gives us three different words um, in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant when we talk about forgiveness. There's the first one is atonement. And so what atonement meant was this, that our sins would be covered. You know, if I threw a rag, a cloth over this pulpit, how many know it's, it would still be under here? It's just covered. You know, if you, if you have a stain like kind of on the top of my shoe here <laughs> that I got on there today. Okay, if I put something covering that, how many know it's still there? But if you wash it away, how many know that's not atonement? That's what the Bible says is remission. So remission means that my sins, you know, we've seen those songs sometimes and we actually believe it's true, but it's not. It's unbelieving. My sins are covered. My sins are not covered. My sins are washed away. I don't care how good the song is. <laughs> My sins are washed away. Amen. They're, they're washed away, never to be remembered again. So you have atonement, you have remission, but then you also, what happens when you're, as a believer, what happens when you make a mistake? What happens when you sin? Then there's this third word called forgiveness. So what, what is forgiveness? You're, all your, your past doesn't all get remitted again. But what happens is you confess it and God forgives you 
cleanses you, and then that sin is washed away as though it never happened. Amen. So listen what he says. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Verse 16, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will I write them. Their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he's consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Not, not, not shamedly, not, not sheepishly. But with full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled. Why, why can I do that? Well, don't you know what you've done? Yeah, but I confess that to the Lord. Yeah, that happened before I was born again, so that totally was remitted. You know, the enemy wants to just con- always confuse you and always bring back your past. And if you don't get through this, you'll never make anything of your life spiritually. Just being honest with you. He says, though, that you have full assurance of faith. Let me, say, let me just tell you this. You know, a, a, lot of, a lot of times what it is, too, the reason people don't get over stuff uh, over a period of time. Now, I know it takes a time, but they don't allow the Holy Spirit to work in their life, and it's pride. It's pride that, you know what, I, I've got to add my works to it as well. The blood is not enough, but I've got to add my works of, of feeling bad and, and trying to pay penance. Penance is not in the Bible. I said paying penance is not in the Bible. Well, you know, I just, I'm just, I sowed my wild oats and now I'm just paying for the past. If, it, if that's true, then you have to go to hell too. There, there's no sin that you have to pay for. Well, you know, I lived like the devil when I was a teenager, so I'm just paying for that now. Now, sure, there might be some, some you know, if, if you killed somebody, you might have to go to jail. And so in that regard, you, you might have to pay a, a, a debt to society. But that doesn't mean that God is going to not forgive you for that. <clears throat> Look what he says here. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. So, so there's nothing in my life, if I've repented from it, there's no condemnation that, that can... You know, there's, there's no sin. And that's, that's the sad thing because Jesus said, I will convict the world. To, he said that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. Why? Because they believe not on me. What's the, what's the only sin that will cause someone to miss heaven and go to a, a lost eternity? Because they don't believe on him. It wasn't adultery. It wasn't fornication. It wasn't. Lying, it wasn't stealing, it wasn't, you know, whatever. There's good people that go to hell. Why? Because they believe not on him. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.16, this will be our, our landing scripture. Find the airport here. Amen. We could preach forever on this. Hebrews 4 and verse 16. 
Yeah, you know, if people think we ever preach long, we don't preach long at all. The Bible talks about Paul. He preached from, from morning to evening. The Bible says he preached all night long sometimes. That's my kind of preacher. Hebrews 4, verse 16. Let us therefore... Let, go back to 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, or that word is literally confession, the words I speak. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. See, Jesus knows what it's like to live in, in a physical body. Jesus knows what it's like. God the Father doesn't, but Jesus does. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. See, that's, that's why Jesus, Jesus knows what it's like to, to be tempted and to overcome. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Could you real, do you realize that Jesus was tempted in all points? Could you see Jesus tonight being tempted with the same things you're tempted with? If he wasn't, then it wasn't a temp temptation. Well, you know, I've been tempted to do crazy stuff. Jesus was tempted just the same. There's no, 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 no. Jesus, you know, he would never be tempted to do that. With a, either the Bible is true or it's not. So what does that mean? Jesus is my hero. <laughs> Jesus overcame the sin. He was tempted to do crazy stuff. Now he, but here's the thing, he never sinned. Now let me ask you this real quick. So is it a sin to be tempted? You know why? Because what, it's only a sin if you yield. The, here's, here's, here's the enemy right here for you. The enemy will pull on you. He will push your flesh. He will pull on your flesh to do stuff. And then he'll stand back. He'll put the thoughts in your mind. It's his thoughts, not your thoughts. Realize where the source is coming from. Devil, that's your thoughts. So what happens? He'll put those thoughts in your mind. Then he'll stand back. Then he'll condemn you for thinking the thoughts. Why, why are you thinking about doing that? And then if you yield to it, then he'll come with a condemnation because you did it. Heard a story about a man. He was up on a high skyscraper, this, uh, this man of God. <clears throat> he got up there and someone was showing him this property. At the very top of it, he's looking down and, you know, it looks like ants down there when you see the people and the cars. And this thought just came to him. Why don't you jump? And... Um, you know, a lot of people would have done, oh, my Lord, why am I thinking those thoughts? And the devil said, because you're suicidal. Suicidal? What do you, what, you mean what? Yeah, you, ha you have a suicide demon. And that's, that's what the, the devil says. I do. In, in fact, you have three. And he said, then, then people get that, but here's what the man did. This was amazing. This was awesome. He said, he's just up there and he's just minding his business and, and he's this thought, why don't you just jump? He said, no, I'm not going to jump. You jump. And he just, he walked away. Why? Because he realized those thoughts were not coming from him. They weren't coming from on the inside. Thoughts can come 
Here, here's the thing. Thoughts may come and thoughts may persist. I mean, know that the, the devil is an, we'd say in the South, he's an aggravating cuss. Well, he just, he's, he's persistent. But thoughts that are not put into action, they die unborn. Don't put it into action. You just resist it and, and those thoughts just die. Hallelujah. So verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly to the throne, even if you've blown it, even if you've missed it and done a terrible job. What do you do? You still come boldly to God. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, I messed up. And admit it. Don't, don't, don't beat around the bush and say, God, I missed it. I blew it. I ask you to forgive me. I, I repent. I, I turn away from this. I judge it as sin. And, and you know, that's important too. So call it what it is. Don't say, well, you know, Lord, that, you know, they did something too, you know. But no, no, Lord, I did this. I'm the one in need of prayer. I, I repent. Forgive me. Have mercy on me. And he will. He will have mercy. Hallelujah. And then what's going to happen? You're going to have the grace. Who, who's the one that's going to stand? The one that has grace. The Bible says, but he gives more grace. He gives grace to the humble. Who gets the grace? The humble. Who does God resist? The proud. But if you humble yourself and you ask, God will forgive. And so what, here's, here's the thing. When, when, I, when I do this, when I, when I live in this way, when I walk with the Lord, even if I've missed it, when I confess my sin, I can, once I'm forgiven and I'm cleansed, I can then lift up my head. I can pray. I can minister to other people as though I never, ever made a mistake. You have to train yourself. I don't care if you just missed it. You look at it and you say, I'm clean. I'm washed. And, and Lord, I thank you that I can lift up my head. I can pray. What's the enemy going to do? He's called the accuser of the brethren. But here's the thing. The reason why he's such an accuser is because he, he never has forgiveness. He will never have forgiveness. So, so that's why he is trying to accuse us. Because he, he, we're the ones created in God's image and in his likeness. So you're either forgiven or you're not. You're either clean or you're not. So when I boldly proclaim I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, that's not me being arrogant. That's me being humble. Why? Because he's the one that made me righteous. And I want you to realize this. It doesn't please God for you to feel bad or remain in sin consciousness. It pleases him when you believe what he did. And accept the provision. Hallelujah. And one last thing I was thinking. Never presume upon the mercy of God though. This is so important. Never presume upon the mercy of God. Well you know. Uh, God will forgive me for doing this. So I'm going to just go ahead and do this. You know. Um, well you know I'll just do this. And I'll just first John 1 9 it. People have said that kind of thing. Sin 
the Bible says that fools make a mockery of sin. You never want to have a, you never want to presume upon the mercy of God. You never want to say, you know, take that mercy for granted. So what does that mean? Lord, I thank you for your mercy, but I'm not going to presume upon your mercy and, and just uh, run roughshod over your mercy. I'm not going to just, well, I'm just going to go ahead and do this sin and then ask God to forgive me. I mean, no, that's dangerous. <laughs> you want to just say, Lord, help me to stay free from this sin. Why? Because there was too, too high of a price that was paid by Jesus Christ of Nazareth for me to take it flippantly, to me to just, you know, look at it and say, well, it's not a big deal. I'll just, I'll go ahead and do that and, and then ask him to forgive me. <clears throat> Hallelujah. But yet at the same time, we don't wallow in self-pity when it comes to, 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 the, to the mercy of God. We don't, we don't have to feel like we have to, well, you know, I, I just I failed God at one time, so I'm just going to give up on the dream. No, you don't give up on the dream. God could resurrect that. You confess it, you receive forgiveness, and you have your righteousness restored. Then you stand up whole, and you stand up holy by the blood of the Lamb. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you receive that for yourself, just stand up and shout to the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you tonight for righteousness and righteousness consciousness. Thank you, Lord, that by the blood of the Lamb that we're forgiven. By the blood of the Lamb, we're cleansed tonight. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for the blood. Lord, we lift high the blood-stained banner tonight. Lord, even as many flags fly in this world that stand for, for all kinds of things, Lord, we lift high the flag of freedom, the, the, the blood-stained banner. We lift it high. We let it wave. Lord, we let it be, be seen in our life that the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can wash away our sins. Father, we just thank you that even tonight we can stand free from this terrible thing called condemnation. Thank you, Lord, that we are not guilty because of the blood. And Lord, even if we have missed it, we, re we repent and we thank you, Lord, we receive our righteousness restored. And Lord, we can walk free. We can walk holy. We can walk pure. And Lord, that means that we can receive from you. <laughs> we can receive. We, we have grace to help in a time of need. And we thank you for it. We bless you for it. We honor you, thank you and thank you for it. Lord, that for all eternity, we have a high priest that went into the heavens. And Lord, you said that you're able to keep those Lord, to the uttermost. Thank you, Lord, that you're able to keep us from falling tonight and to walk holy before you. We can walk holy, and we decide to do so. Thank you for your grace, and thank you for your help. Lord, that we may please you in all that we do. Lord, that we may truly hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, if, if that doesn't get you excited, then, then your wood is all wet tonight. 
So um, we'll pray for you if you need prayer, you know. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's where we live right there. And, you know, there's, there's no need playing around, you know, pretending like we're, you know, people come to church and, and just, you know, I'm talking about uh, the, the, the full church, universal church, and pretend like, you know, that everything is perfect in their life and they're not being tempted. But sometimes you just need to realize, hey, this thing is, you know, this thing is tempting me. I need to run away from it. I need to, to stay in righteousness. I need to stay in, in, the, in the fire of God. Amen. That's why you need to have some good Christian buddies too because they can help you. And I had a pastor one time. He said he grew up in, in Chicago and he you know, had a really uh, rough, you know, he was part of like Italian mob and stuff. And so he said when he got born again, he was mad that, that there wasn't church every night of the week because he said he sinned every night. And so he wanted to be in church every night so he could help keep him, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I get so excited about the word, though. Thank you, Lord. Well, have a great rest of your week. Amen. Encourage other people. Invite them to church. Amen. Hallelujah. Have a great night and be blessed in Jesus' name. <laughs>